Bob Myers, <laughs> GM of the Golden State Warriors, kind enough to come in studio. Is this guy, is this TMZ? Who the hell did you bring? <laughs> I got you your entourage. It's What's ridiculous. Going on? I told our PR guy, I said, what is this camera following me around? <laughs> wow. Like, it's crazy. Well, they don't trust us or they don't I, trust you? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't know what to do about it. Well, first, welcome to the drive. First, uh, welcome to the station. Welcome to the show. Really nice to have you in studio. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Uh, listen to you, and I like your show, and appreciate you having me on. And uh, I know we have a lot to talk about. We do, and a lot of good things, because <laughs> yes. let's face it, you know, uh, by <laughs> Utah was this close yeah. to getting the pick. Big relief for the franchise, I'm sure. Yeah, that was big. Uh, sitting up there, I thought... I thought I wouldn't be nervous because you try to sit, put yourself in situations and say, what's, what's really, what can I really do? But I knew that if we did well, uh, I'd get credit, which I didn't deserve. And if we did badly, I'd get blame, <laughs> which I didn't deserve, which mm-hmm. is probably sports in a nutshell. So I, I'm glad we kept the pick. Uh, I had all these good luck charms, but it worked out for us. And we, now we have a lot to work with. Four picks is yeah. great, and um, hopefully we do something good with it. I think we will. Uh, speaking of the four picks that you have, how likely are you to package those and try and move up from that seven spot? You know what? We're going to do something. I don't know today, but but as you approach the draft and as you approach a trading deadline or any deadline of any sorts, right now if we were to sit in this room and put up on the board all the options we have, I could fill up the whole wall. Like that movie, The Beautiful Mind, you, you see all the <laughs> equations up there. And I could do that, and our group could do that. And ultimately, as you approach the draft or you approach a trading deadline, what was 30 scenarios becomes three. And you sit around with your group, and you look around the room, and you say, we can do A, B, or C. And you ask each guy, what do you want to do? Sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it's keep all the picks. The, the issue with that for us is we had three rookies last year. Adding four rookies to a team and having seven players between one and no years of experience is, is, isn't great. I mean, you got you played. I mean, it's just, it's um, it's not something you want to do, really, uh, unless you're just going all in, totally young, which isn't really what we're trying to do. So as you get closer to it, you'll look on the board and you'll have options. It depends on which one you like the most. I think there'll be one that we like, but today, 25 days out or 24, whatever it is, we just have too many things to try to whittle down. But it'll get there. By the way, um, and. Anytime we have GMs on and there's other players on their contract, we're certainly aware of tampering and all that. So I don't want to put you in the wrong spot. You guys here. can tamper all you want. I, I just <laughs> well, can't we tamper. do every day from two to six. Yeah, trust we, me. You, you should listen more. Uh, we've got it all worked out. Yeah. Don't worry. Uh-huh. <laughs> tamper away. I, I just can't do it. But can you mention college kids by name that mm-hmm. have entered the draft? How does that work for the? I want to make sure because well, we there's have a, a couple timeline. It's a good, my my trusty PR guy sitting four feet away and he'll tackle me if I say something <laughs> wrong. But um. I'll tell you what, there's a timeline as to when you can't, and that timeline is passed. So okay. if we want to talk about specific players, we can, and I'll uh, I'll tell you as much as I think I can, but if you want to ask about those guys, feel free. And by the way, this is a time to uh, for you, the fan, to reach out and chat with your GM of the Dubs, Bob Myers in the studio. And, you know, I, I should have said this before as well, last week, Eric and I, is more for the listeners, not, not so much for you with this, Bob, but last year we launched, uh, last week we launched where the first, the five o'clock hour, the first 25 minutes, now uninterrupted, no commercials, just Eric and I straight through, and, and today straight through with you through uh, 25 after. Yeah, that was right. just our way of saying that we're not breaking, you just got to talk for yeah, a Yeah, so that's fine. Yeah. You guys can go away if you want, I'll just do the show. <laughs> and uh, you got a radio background, you might be able to do a better job, call the Bruin games back in the day, but if you guys want to reach out and ask Bob some questions, uh, facebook.com slash 957 the Game Twitter at 957 The Game, or of course, call up like we did with Larry Bear, 888 957 9570. Okay, 
Jared Sullinger. You're not falling for this hype, are you? What is the hype? I don't like him. him. I don't think he's a good enough athlete. I don't think he's a good athlete. What do you think, Eric? I actually, I, I actually like him. Yeah, I do. I I don't know what you're saying. He's not a good enough athlete. Heavy footed, heavy footed, uh, kind of drilled, to, ch- chained to the ground. I don't think he's that good. You know what? I, I don't know. I I let me. I, I'm gonna answer your question, but I had this conversation ten minutes ago with somebody saying the same thing, going back and forth as to it, what they liked, what they didn't like about Jared Sellinger. and you'll go through this with every player that's in your range. But it depends on what you value. Like mm-hmm. You you may value athleticism, Brandon. You may say looks I never had it. Yeah, yeah, yes, well, I do. right. Well, I, I, you know, <laughs> if you say so. But but you well, know, true. It, it may. <laughs> it is. You could get in a room with five guys evaluating a pick, and okay. you could say, "Who should we take?" There's going to be a guy in the room that is is strictly biased towards athleticism. This mm-hmm. guy's long. He's got a forty inch vertical. He's fast. They do it in football as well. Then you, there's going to be one guy in the room that says, I don't care that he's small. I don't care that he can't jump. He knows how to play the game. Mm-hmm. And that's what that guy will value. So as you get together, you try to build a consensus. But there's guys that are on one end or the other of the spectrum as to how they value players. I'll tell you what. you have If you're, if you're going to slant negative on Sullinger, you're going to be the guy in the room that says athleticism is important, size of your position is important. There's going to be a guy in the room that says all the guy has done is win. Yeah. He put a team on his back. I don't care how big he is, he gets the job done. So you balance those things and ultimately you come out of the room with a decision. But it just depends on what you weight. Ideally, you want a guy that does it all. You want a competitor. You want a guy that's won. You want a guy that has size, his position, can rebound, defend, score. Those guys go one. Those guys go two in the draft. Those guys get paid $15, 20000000 million a year. Yeah. So when you're picking seven, some of it is a gamble. Thinking, what will this guy be? How hard will he work? In my past career as an agent... It was interesting. There's so much riding on a high top 10 pick from a team side. But you only see the guy, maybe you scout him two or three times a year, if you're lucky, as a general manager. Because you can't see 30 guys two or three times. You try to. But you bring him in one time, you eat dinner with him, you sit down, you talk to him, bring him to your facility. As an agent, when I was an agent, I'd represent a player. I'd watch him work out 30 times in the gym. I'd take him to dinner 20 times. So I would... I would know. I'd say, you know what? This guy is going to be good. The, the teams are reading him wrong. Mm-hmm. And then I'd have clients where I'd say, teams are way too high on this guy. And I wouldn't actually... You don't divulge I that. I wouldn't divulge that. I'd tell you guys. You get your, you you get tell, your percentage. Tell, yeah, you laugh, I, you'd be the worst right. agent ever. Yeah, I'd be awful. I'd be fired. <laughs> I'd have no client. Don't draft my guy. He's awful. Don't pick him. So it's interesting. From the agent side, I felt like I got to know the players more. I had much more access. Now you're begging agents to get a guy to come in for four hours... And you have to make a big decision based on that. So it's a, it's, it's a different thing, yep. but um, it's it's difficult. You've got to get it right. It's important. So do you like Jared Sullinger, yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> I like him. Okay. I like Sullinger. There you go. I think he's good. Okay. I think he'll be good whether he's with us or another team because I think he wins. And he's smart. You watch the playoffs. You guys are watching the playoffs now. The players that are successful, unless you're a super athlete, I mean, I'm talking off the charts and big for your position, you have to think the game or else your coach can't play you. I mean, it's it's a game where you're not taking one at bat. You're in the game with four other guys, so it has to work together. Well, Bob, let's talk about a player that you do know, Jeremy Lin. Yeah. What, what's the interest level in possibly bringing him back? I don't think he's going to mm. be in New York. 
Well, he's a guy I don't know if I can. I can't. I don't know if I can talk about him because technically he's still theirs until okay. June thirtieth. Um, so I can't they have some go sort of to hearing for him and Novak. It's yeah, some legal. Yeah, that's uh, proceeding. yeah. But I'm not even if that. That's a whole nother wrinkle in the thing. But I can't get into that yet. Okay, just blink um, one time. Yes, two times. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, he actually did blink, but we, we won't divulge what it was. Oh, Bob yeah, Myers. There you, there you go. Bob Myers in studio, GM of the Warriors here on the Drive. Tierney and Davis, ninety-five seven. The game chance to interact. We we have some text for you, uh, which we'll get to if we get better ones. The bad ones go to the back of the line. That's the way it is. Uh, at 95795 on on the McDonald's text line, facebook.com slash 957 the game. Before we get to the current roster and, and less about the draft, I've always, you know, Eric played, you played in college, right, high right. level. You're obviously right. an executive now. I've always been intrigued by this as a, as a fan. The dynamic in the war room on draft night. You want player X, Jerry West wants player Y, and Mr. Lake right. or Goober want player right. Z. Right. X, Y, Z. Yeah. Who wins? The guy that owns the team, ultimately, wins. Mm-hmm. Um, anything. Uh, that's okay. But, luckily, we have an owner that listens. So, if you have an owner that is has to be right, no matter what, that's where I think some teams get in trouble. But we have an owner who is smart enough to know, let's build a consensus. I don't think... Uh, Joe Lacob would, in any situation like that, go against the wishes of his staff, which would be myself, Jerry West, Travis Schlink, Kirk Lacob. I think he knows, although he'll challenge a decision if he disagrees with it, ultimately it's our job, it's my job as well, to build a consensus in the room, to get everybody together. Mm-hmm. But, Brandon, there will be a day and there will be a time and a draft pick where not everybody agrees. But you hope the high-level executives agree. But there's going to be a scout in the room and everybody probably saw money ball. No, I mean, yeah. it, it's a great scene because that really that is it. That's I an mean, accurate depiction. That, that's a pretty accurate depiction. I mean, not with all the theatrics, but mm-hmm. there's guys in the room making off the wall comments. There's guys building their case on stats, and they prescribe to certain things. Or maybe one guy went to a game where the guy played great, and another guy went to a game where he played awful. Mm-hmm. One guy's talking about a guy's personal life. The other guy says, "Hey, half the guys in the league are like that. Who cares?" So ultimately, there's going to be a guy in the room. But once you make the decision, the bigger thing is when you leave the room, you all got to be on the same page. Is, you, I'm sorry. No, go, go ahead. ahead. You all got to be on the same page because out in the world, you can't have a, uh, you can't have cracks in the armor. You can't have a, a scout or an executive or an assistant GM or a general manager saying, "Yeah, I wanted to take a different guy, but they didn't really go with me." You can't do that. It's it's once you're united on the pick, you stick with that. Uh, talking about, or speaking on being on the same page, Jerry West and uh, the relationships around the league that he's developed. How is he opening doors for you? How is that relationship? He's great. I talked to him today. I talked to him probably um, four, four to five times a week. The nice thing about my relationship with Jerry is it was prior to all this. When I was on the agent side, he was very close to uh, my mentor, Arn Tellum. One of the first people I met 15 years ago in the business was Jerry West at a house at Arn's house for a barbecue. And I, the first time you meet Jerry West, it's memorable. Yep. I remember he, he uh, sitting there on the side of the house in the patio and we were barbecuing, and I was 22, and there's Jerry West. And I just left college not knowing what I wanted to do, and, and you're meeting this guy who's very personable. I know you guys should have him on if you haven't. He's great. Uh, you may not get to talk in the 45 minutes, but he'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> but he... Um, that's the good thing. So when Jerry and I disagree, it's not as if we don't have 14 years of relationship built in. It's not as if 
our owner, Joe Lacob, said, I'm going to promote you to a general manager, and I have Jerry West in the role he's in. You guys figure it out. It's not like that. So for me, I'm blessed to see or a situation where I know him. So if we disagree, it's great. But what doors does he open? He's been in the business for, gosh, 40 years, 50 years yeah. as a player, a coach, a GM. He knows so – he, he's almost seen every situation. Whereas if you worked in football for that long or, or whatever sport – You've had the seventh pick in the draft. You've traded the seventh pick in the draft. You've signed a guy like Kobe Bryant. You've uh, fired coaches. You've hired coaches. You've played. You've done everything. So the things I try to get out of Jerry are, hey, Jerry, what do you think about this situation? What would you do? Or were you ever in this situation? Or when you were with the Lakers or when you were with the Grizzlies or when you were a player, how did you react to this? He almost uh, has been there and done that for anything you ask him. Which is great for me uh, to have somebody like that in the room and, and that, that has kind of paved the way. And obviously, he's been so successful. So it's not somebody that's failed for four years. He's, he's been successful at every single level and position. So it's just a, it's a huge bonus for our team. I'm talking to Warriors GM Bob Myers. He's in studio. He's on the drive. Tyrion Davis, 95-7 of the game. And uh, we have a lot of questions for you. A lot of people wondered about Lamar Odom. A lot of people are worrying about or wondering about uh, the rehabilitation of, of both Bogut and Steph Curry. So there's a lot of play, and we'll get to that, and we'll read some directly, and we'll attribute it to uh, whomever wrote it. But I, I, this is probably a good way to get into the current roster right yeah. now. And you know this. And, and, you know, watching the NBA for a long time, the worst time to grade a player out is in March and April, mm-hmm. when the good teams are gearing up for the playoffs, and then... There's just less urgency, and I know you know that. Looking at the roster and looking at a lot of the guys that that played pretty heavy minutes down the stretch for you last year, the McGuire's, the Jenkins, the players like that, do they factor into next season, or are they just kind of filling out the roster to get through an injury-riddled season? What did you see from them? Yeah, it's a good question, Brandon. I think what what we saw was – really what what they are for being young players how Maguire would fit with us what what kind of player Jenkins could be can he be a backup to can he be our backup point guard or, or is he a third guard the thing you have to discount a little bit is we were out of the playoffs when when some of these guys were playing heavy minutes it's not the same game actually the NBA playoffs you watch this game tonight it has no correlation to what happens in the regular season it's a different game and maybe it is in other sports i don't know as well but maybe in football or baseball it just the level of defense that's played in the playoffs is not the same as it is in the regular season. So we evaluated those players, but understand we were not playing for a playoff spot. We were not competing for positioning within our conference. So you have to dial it back a little bit and say, yes, we're evaluating these guys, but under what circumstances? Mm-hmm. I, I, and I think that's important because some guys look great when they're not in the playoffs and they're putting up numbers, but, but put them in a situation where they have to make big decisions – they can't do it. I'm not saying our guys can or can't. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Can Charles Jenkins play against uh, against a great team in the playoffs? I don't know. Basically, it's not a barometer. No, I mean, it, 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 to a certain degree it is. Yeah. I mean, you can see some things, mm-hmm. but ideally, you want to measure any player in any sport when something's on the line. And that's when you really and, – and things are on the line. But when you're last 20 games of the season, it's harder to do. Gotcha. Mark Jackson. We like Mark. Big fans here. I like here. Mark. I like Mark. But from a GM standpoint, what do you perceive as strengths and weaknesses of Mark Jackson after one year? Well, you know what? It's 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 um, it's interesting with Mark as well. I talked about knowing Jerry before I got here with the Warriors. Mark, same way. No Mark for unrepresented Mark. So I've I've known Mark a long time, and um, 
when uh, we looked at interviewing Mark, I told our owner, I said, I know this guy. And, and he said, how do you know him? I said, you know, I know him from Brown. We represented him. I said, the other reason I know him is I used to play pickup with him. And I said, you can, you can, I, I said, if some, I have a sister who, who just got married. I, and I said, let me play basketball with somebody for 10 minutes yeah. and I'll tell you what kind of guy they are. Okay. That, so, so, you know why? <laughs> let me tell you why. Because does he cheat? Does he compete? Does he play hard? Yeah. Is he selfish? Is he unselfish? Does he communicate? Does he lose bad? Does he win bad? So I'd played pickup with Mark for years. So, if he was a jerk, and there's some there's some jerks out there. You you can you guys probably play. You you know in five minutes. I can't stand that guy, or that guy's a great guy. I want him on my team. So, prior to all the business of any of it with Mark as a guy, mm-hmm. I respect him as a guy. So, secondly, that is he a co- what does he do well as a coach? I thought in a really difficult situation last year, he got our team to compete and not lay down. Very easy for NBA players on guaranteed contracts, right? It's not like football. Where they grab your face mask and and cut you? Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, they can't. I know. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you, as an NBA player, you can look at your coach and and tell him. You can say to a coach, "Coach, I'm on a five, I'm on a five year deal. I'm making you know twenty more million dollars or four more a year, and you know, I don't care what you do to me. You know, they owe me my money every two weeks. I get my money. So it's 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 not just the X's and O's as a coach in the NBA. It's motivating your players it's having them respect you as a coach and mark controlled that locker room in a situation where we made a big trade that wasn't popular publicly to a lot of people and might not have been popular in our locker room and and you did not see the team um go the other direction you saw a team that competed in some difficult situations and i think if you lined up all our players and say what 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 kind of job did mark do they'd all they'd all respect him and the last point is Players, I think, in any league want to be treated with respect. And a lot of times coaches sometimes abuse that role of coach. He had a situation where he said to the team one day, he called him in, he said, "What? Um, how many of you guys take your kids to school? How many, kid, how many of you guys drop your kids off at school? Um, because a lot of people think pro athletes have all day to do whatever they want. It's not true. I mean, it, Eric, you know, you know, yeah. it's it's you're you're at the facility whether you're doing. He said, Eric. Then he looked yeah. at me. And he's like, "Well, I no, know Brandon does right, <laughs> No, good catch there, Bob. By the way, keep going. So I mean, it was yeah, in the, if you were in studio and you saw that, it was actually yeah, no, kind of funny. It's good. good. So so my point is that uh, he asked the guys, "How many of you guys get to drop kids off at school?" You'd think they all would. You think mm-hmm. they do nothing? You think they show up at the game at seven fifteen? It tips off at seven thirty. It's not. It's not what it is. So one of the players raised his hand. He said, um, I used to coach, but but you moved practice up a little bit earlier, so now I don't anymore. And he wasn't complaining about it. He just said, I used to. And coach said, all right. He said, hey, um, maybe we'll move it back. And, and you know, maybe you can drop your kid off at school. And I don't know what he did or didn't do, but the fact that he engaged a player like that, that goes a long way with yes, your team. Does. Long way with your team. So little things like that make me believe that he's the right guy. And this team's going to succeed. Big fans. Uh, I I was watching Mark when he was at St. John's. Yeah. Going, I wanted to be him and Mullen. Yeah. I mean, I loved him. Yeah. You know, so we're hoping he does well. And uh, and some of the characteristics that you said they're they're very easy to detect. I'm I'm with you on that. Bob Myers, by the way, in studio, Warriors GM here on the drive. Tierney and Davis, ninety-five seven the game. All right. This is a tough one. Not in the sense that it's 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 a question that's going to put you in a tough spot. But it is a, it is tough to settle on one of the two choices, and you can't say both. Right. Well, fair enough? Yeah. Okay. Who's more important to the long-term growth of the franchise? Is it Ste- – or, or what's more important? Steph Curry's ankle 
or Clay Thompson's development? Curry's ankle. Is that an honest enough I agree answer? with the answer, but expound. Yeah. I mean, I'll why do you, you think why. that? Clay, I think, and I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not saying both when I say this, but Clay's development is important, but Curry's being healthy is, is crucial. It, 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 he's a plays a, a huge position. Point guard position in the NBA is is huge. It's quarterback like it is in the NFL, and we need to see a healthy Curry, and our team needs to see it. And I think with a healthy Curry, Clay Thompson's better, David Lee's better, Andrew Bogut's better. They're all better, and um, I think the fact that he could come back and be healthy and play is just it's of the utmost importance. And I've said this on a couple other shows that I've done, and Danny Ainge offered this up to me one day. He said, the best ability is availability. So Curry's got all this potential and talent. We need him to play. It's, it's, it's like one, one, somebody asked me at the end of the year about our team, about the Warriors team. And I said, well, you know what? The fans of this organization want us to win. They don't really care how we do it. And they're going to offer up a ton of ideas until, until we do. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Curry. Let's just get him on the floor. So it's, it's ultimately... Hugely important for our team that he's healthy and that he can play and that we know he can play. That we're not sitting there where we watch the games from and thinking, don't go to the basket, just stay on the perimeter. We need to know that he's going to be healthy and he's going to play his game. And that's that's a huge thing for us. Well, you made a trade and you talked about it earlier, about it being somewhat unpopular and you let Monte go for Bogart. How necessary was that? It is really hard to get a center. And um, you'll find out. I, I told a couple agents. I represented some centers when I was an agent, and I told these guys on the phone the other day. I said, "You don't understand how valuable a seven footer is." I said, "You think you do as an agent, and you try to get this guy paid ten million dollars a year?" I said, "Get him paid more. You can't find these guys. You cannot find them." And that's what we were struggling with when we made the trade. We traded away a great player who'd done a great job for this team. And had really competed. That's what the thing you love about Montel is how he competed every night. And that's what the fans respected about him. So it was a hard decision. But when you look around the league, to be successful, unless you're a team like Miami Heat and you have some unbelievable players, not just good players, unbelievable Hall of Fame players at certain positions, you need a center to really do well in this league. And we looked around and said, how are we going to get one? How are we going to get one? Well, you can get lucky. You can get a number one pick in the draft. Or you can build up a ton of cap space and hope that guy comes. We tried that last year. Tried to get a center. It's hard. You can have cap space. That doesn't mean the player is going to come. Mm-hmm. So we felt like the way to do it, and there's only you know, 10 of them in the world. It's not like there's 50 guys. Somebody told me the other day there's only 70. This could be wrong. Somebody will probably call into your show and say I'm an idiot. <laughs> we'll probably know but the answer. Probably know the answer. <laughs> so, how many seven-foot people are there in the U.S.? Somebody told me there were 70. I can't help you with that. Yeah, but somebody will. Somebody will call <laughs> it. In the somebody United will States know of that. America? In the U.S. No way. But let me ask you this, Brandon. No when you're way. walking around, uh-huh. when was the last time you saw one? Uh, I mean, it's been a while, right. but I mean, <laughs> I mean if I, I toured every city them? and every state, I don't know. I are they all in one city? Are they not here? <laughs> Where are know. they? I, you I see them at the airport? Oracle. Yeah. Yeah, at our game. That's Yeah. Wow. In the NBA. So, I don't know how many. Maybe there's 100. Maybe I don't know how many there are, but- the point is, there's not many of them. Yeah, that's the point. So when you have a chance to get one of them that can actually play basketball, half these guys, who knows what they're doing? Mm-hmm. But you get one that can play basketball, and you you gotta you gotta pull the trigger on something like that. 
You know what? We have confirmation. There are fewer than 70 Seven footers between the age of twenty and forty. Well, that's in the United States. That's who we want, right? <laughs> yeah, that would, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, so isn't, play, that, isn't that crazy? That's I, seven I, that's zero. Be totally off guard. I didn't think it would, I, I think it would be thousands. Yeah, you'd think. I would so think. that's why they cost so much money. That's why you got to give up a great player to get one. Bowl gets good, uh, you know. And we'll get more to this coming up next. Bob Myers in studio, GM for the uh, for the Golden State Warriors. You know, he could pass, he could shoot. He's tough. He needs to stay healthy, and he's had some unlucky breaks. And we'll get into his his health, um, you know, history in a little bit. And also, you know, we want to ask Bob about the, the whether or not the franchise expects any resentment from the East Bay fans and the tenants now over at Oracle. Been great fans for a long time after announcing the intentions to move to San Francisco. There's a lot to get to, the rest of the roster, um, some free agency questions, and, of course, you guys can reach out and call and text and tweet, and we'll get to the direct questions, give you a chance to talk with the, uh, or at least interact with the GM. So Bob Myers in the studio, a little more hoops coming up next right here on the Bay Area's new sound for sports, 95-7 The Game. 32, Bob Myers, Warriors GM in studio. Appreciate it. And a good 40-minute state of the Warriors chat. Uh, we're in the middle of it as we kick off uh, Newsmakers Week here on the show, here on the on the drive. And uh, Larry Bear, was uh, we had Larry for about 40, I don't know, 42, 43 minutes. And State of the Giants, right now it's State of the Dubs. And you know, the one thing that, when the announcement was, I guess, a week and a half or so ago now, Piers 30-32, um, I love it. I also live in the area. I understand what that vision represents. I also realize it'd be a lot of traffic for me. I mean, right. you know, and he, you walk and, everywhere. And the rent's going up. No, uh, stop. But, <laughs> but a fear of the franchise. It, it, it has to be. It could be a little awkward during the next five years, still at Oracle, and fans who are displaced. Granted, only fifteen or sixteen miles, but that's a tough balance to strike. What do you? Yeah. What do you expect to happen? Let me answer that from a guy that grew up in the East Bay as a Warriors fan, as a kid, and going to Warriors games. So let's say I was still in the East Bay. I grew up in Alamo. Mm -hmm. I'm there right now. But if the announcement were to come, and I'm the age I am now, and, and somebody says the Warriors are moving to San Francisco, what would that mean to me? Well, it would show me a couple things. It would show me we got an ownership group that's going to put their own money behind a big-time stadium, right? So I'd say that's good for the team. I'd say that's good for the team. They're going to have a new arena, but that's good for the team. you got owners that are willing to spend some money and do some things. Mm -hmm. So I'd look at it from one perspective like that. The next thing I would say is, is this going to affect me going to games? Will I not go to as many games as I would have if they were an Oracle? And I would say, well, how do I get to games? I'd look at, for me, is it going to be how much longer for me to get to a game? And, and if you take BART, I don't know, is it 15 minutes more than getting to Oracle? Is it 20? I don't know. If you drive, depending on what time of day you go... I would look at those things and say, is the trade-off of the team being in San Francisco in a new arena with great ownership more than my 15 minutes or 20 minutes getting to a game? And me personally, I'd say this is a no-brainer. I'd say this is unbelievable. I mean, that's what I would say as just a fan. And that's what you're asking me. What, what do I think the fans would say? Mm -hmm. I think people in San Francisco, it's it's pretty easy. That's a layup. That's, of course they want it. I don't, they, nobody Increases wants to hear property it. Yeah, value, for, sure. for sure. Those guys, uh, those fans are great. It's the fans maybe in the East Bay or, or other areas that might say, hey, I I had a better time going in Oakland. I don't know. But mm -hmm. but that's that's the question I can't really answer. I'm just saying from a fan from a fan, take me out of what I do for the team. Yep. Going to game in San Francisco, I think it'd be a lot of fun. 
I think it'd be great. That's just me. From a free agent standpoint, Brandon and I both sit here, and from the time the move was announced, we believe that it will help the team attract the free agents out there. Uh, From your standpoint, how do you see that affecting the ability to woo free agents to come and play in San Francisco? I think it'll help. I had free agents. I asked them, where do you want to play? And they said, you want to play in Golden State? They'd say, where's that? Where's Golden State? <laughs> I said, I said, Bay Area. I grew up there. What are you talking about? Um, it sends a message in two ways. If if you were my player and I said, Eric, where do you want to play? And you, I'd say, we can go to Chicago. We can go here. I'd say, we can go to San Francisco. That's where the Warriors are playing. You'd say, oh, I know where that is. It's a great city. Um, but I'd also tell you, you'd say, I don't know. I'm not really a West Coast guy. I grew up in a different area. I don't really like it. I'd say, well, let me tell you something I do know. This is a team that has been bought by a group of people that are willing to put their own money behind a huge, huge expenditure. So I'd say when it's time for them to pay you, they'll pay. Whereas some other teams, uh, as an agent, I might say, we have to get traded to get paid. Right? And I would tell a player that. I'd say this franchise that you're wanting to go to or has interest in you doesn't have a great history of taking care of their players. And I'd say... Going into an organization that's committed to building a new arena, it's committing to spending their own money to do it, bodes well for the time when you need to get paid. So I think it speaks to a free agent on a couple different levels. Anybody wants to play in a new arena, 100%. You ask a guy, you want to play in an old arena, you want to play in a new arena. Boom, that's easy. You ask a guy, do you want to go to an organization that is willing to spend money and is willing to do it? Yeah, that's, that's pretty easy. And then you hope, and I, I think most players would, get excited about the idea of San Francisco as a place to live. Bay Area is a place to live. They don't have to live in San Francisco, but being in the Bay Area. I think those three things are uh, are big for, for potential free agents. We don't disagree, as Eric said. You know, we, we see the vision. We also understand, and, and not to beat this to a bloody pulp, but logistics aside, um, the extra 15, 20 minutes on the commute, I think le- people are less concerned about that, more concerned about being priced out. Yeah, that's what I really yeah, think the right. root of it is. Yeah, you know, yeah, and you know what? It's five years away from that, and yeah. I think I think as a fan, uh, one thing we never want to take for granted um, is the fact that the fans for the Warriors have been unbelievable. Awesome fans. I mean, unbelievable. Awesome. I used to go around to, um, and I am a Warriors fan. I I used to go around to other arenas, a lot of them in the league. You name it, I've been there, and um, I don't think there's better fans than the Warriors. I don't care if the team that you're going to see is a great team, is mm-hmm. a poor team. As far as um, the quality of fans, the enthusiasm, the passion, it is 100% the best in the league. And so you do have to, whatever you do, and it's not my wheelhouse. I'm trying to get the team better with my group. Uh, it's more on the business and ownership side. Gotcha. But, but whatever you do, you can't ever forget that on the business yeah. side. You have to be mindful of the fact that the fans – it, it need to be respected, and I think that's very, very important. And, and I think our group will. But again, I gotta have enough problems with the seventh pick, the thirty pick, thirty five. <laughs> I can't figure out how to make everybody happy. I, I think the fans would be happy if we win. Yeah, I think they want to win. Yeah. So. Well, well, speaking of the fans, you get a chance to uh, interact with Bob right now. GM of the Warriors, Bob Myers in studio. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Out to Belmont we go. Ray is on the drive with Tierney Davis and Bob Myers. Ray, take it away. Hey, Bob, I'm really excited, uh, big Warriors fan. And just I uh, wanted to ask you about Dominic McGuire. Um, 
I thought he showed an awful lot of upside last year. He, he, he could be a lockdown defender. And also, I think with his ball handling skills, he's got the potential to get even better. Uh, one, I was just hoping that we keep him. And two, wanted to hear your thoughts on uh, how good he can be. Thanks, Ray. You know what I like about Dominic McGuire, and I think you probably would agree, um, a lot of times in the NBA there's things called 50-50 balls, meaning it's anybody's ball. Who's going to get it? It's up for grabs. It's on the floor. It's um, it's loose. He gets those balls. And you don't even doubt it. And then there's guys in the league you know they're not going to get those <laughs> balls. <laughs> you know he doesn't want to get hurt or that guy's never going to dive on the floor. Dominic McGuire, you like him just for that fact. And that's not something you teach. That's something that's in him. He just competes. And he doesn't practice. He showed up. Uh, we signed him as a non-guaranteed player. Yep. People don't realize that. He had no – it's like football. I mean, he, he was not under a guaranteed contract. He had to make our team. He showed up on a plane in the morning. And he walked into our gym, and, and he just got off a plane. And we were practicing, and he said um, – you know, we said, hey, would you like to you know, walk around and get a tour? He said, no, no I want to practice. He said, can I just get my gear and go? And, and we said, yeah, let's go. So he, that's it. That's all you need to know about a guy like that. And so do you like guys like that? You love guys like that. Got a couple, pardon me, yeah. uh, Bob. Got a couple of quick hits for you before we let you go. These uh, via the McDonald's text line here at 95795. Uh, quick hits. This one from Billy in Castro Valley. How long is Mark Jackson's leash next year? What happens if we're in the lottery again? That's, as I said, Billy Castro Valley. Yeah, you know what? We uh, expect to have a much improved ball club next year. I wouldn't want to predict a future of a coach. I don't think it's fair because injuries are huge. We've got two major positions of guys coming in uh, that have a little bit of a history, both with ankles, ironically. If we are healthy, and that's that's a if, we think we can compete uh, and compete into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If we are healthy. But that's the if, and we do need to we need to help our coach out. We didn't give him much help last year with the roster. So the better the roster, the more accountability there is for the coach. I don't think Mark Jackson have any problem with that. He'll say, "Give me, give me a talented group and put it on me." So I think um, we give him a team. We're going to expect to win. This one from Cassie in Oakland. It says, uh, "In your heart, Bob, and separate from what the other decision makers might think, do you think that you will jump in the top five on draft night? Move up." Whew. You know what? I like guess I that said, means no, more just you. Yeah, and not, yeah. No, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of circumstances. Yeah, I mean, it, it all comes down to when we're in that room, one, do you have the opportunity to do it? Obviously, you can trade a great player and your seventh pick and all your picks to move up, but is that worth it? So it's a cost-benefit thing. If we identify a player in the top five that we think is worth our seventh pick plus 30, plus 35, plus a player, yeah, if we think it's worth it. But you don't be cavalier about those things. Those are assets you're giving up to improve your draft position. We better darn well believe that the fourth player is much better than the seventh player or the third player is much better than the seventh player. And people don't realize, when you make a trade like that, a lot of times you'll say, we'll do the deal if so-and-so's there. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're not just doing it blind. You'll say, we'll trade seven plus 30, 35, whatever it is, for four, but we got to know this guy's there. And mm-hmm. if he's not... Nobody ever knows about it. It never happened. Everybody says, why don't you guys move up? And you don't have the luxury of explaining that to everybody. But there's a a lot of those type of things you look at. Mm. Bob, this is a question that I I just need you to answer for me because we went back and forth on this one. And it's about the amnesty being used on Charlie Bell. In hindsight, if you were the GM at that time and that was your call, would you have used used the amnesty on Charlie Bell in that situation? You know what? We did it, 
and I don't want to put that on one person in particular, but the group did it because we wanted to create space to try to sign some free agents, specifically DeAndre Jordan, who, who went to the Clippers. There was, there was a couple other people that people kicked around amnestying. Um, the thing that I think you have to realize is when you amnesty a player, you still owe him a lot of money. So Agree. from a fan's perspective, you could say amnesty this guy or that guy, and sometimes that's a big check. A lot of teams that people thought were going to amnesty certain players didn't do it. I mean, a lot of people thought every play, every team would amnesty a player. I don't know how many did, 10, 12. I don't know how many teams actually amnesty a player. For us, and I could it could take me a long time to answer your question, but with the cap space we have, we're not going to be a cap space team this year. We're not, we're not lined up for it. Or are we going to be a cap space team in 13? All our big contracts come off the books in 14. So if we want to make a free agent play, it's going to be in 14. So even if we had amnestied another guy that you might think we should have, well, you know, well, we, we, we still I mean, wouldn't be a that. player in free agency mm-hmm. is the thing. So when you want to amnesty a player, you're doing it to create space. And to me, space, everybody gets $5 million a year in the mid-level. Everybody gets $2 million usually in a, <clears throat> excuse me, in a biannual. So unless you've got 10-plus in space, you're really not a free agent cap space player. So for us, even if we'd done something different, we're still eight eight million in space. Nice. We get seven anyway. So it really, I think, if we want to play the cap space game and go after a huge home run hitter type player, it's in 2014. It's not going to be in, not going to be in this year and not going to be next year unless we make some trade to get rid of a bunch of salary. Who, who's actually free in 2014? I know you know. I know you do. Because <laughs> off the top of my head, some I'm guy not named sure. Tierney, some Brandon guy, hey, New Yorker, Max contract. It's called. <laughs> Sign him up. Bob Myers, first of all, great job coming in. Uh, lengthy chat, and I know Warrior fans enjoyed it. A lot of different things we hit from, you know, the new arena and the proposal in San Francisco to the roster and Steph Sankle, Bogut, Mark Jackson. Great job. Best of luck with the franchise. You know, now you're a GM, a little different than, than cutting deals from the yeah. other side of the table. Yeah. We're rooting for you, man. I appreciate it. The Warriors are the one unifying team in this area, yeah. and a lot of people want to see you guys get better again, I so know. good luck with it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Anytime you want to come to a game, Eric, you're more than welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Look you. at this guy. I'll take you up oh. on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bob Myers, GM of the Dubs. You know, coming up next, Steve, we got to do Last Licks and also react to uh, the chat, not just with Bob, but also Larry Bear. So basically two full hours to kick off 